For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Lulz. It is 8 p.m. Eastern time, the only legitimate time zone. I'm here with my co-host, a man who is doing polls about me winning a GPP. It is, of course, the provocateur, Brick75. How you doing here in real America? Enjoying life. Yeah. How was, uh, how was your week one in the NFL? We didn't actually really talk that much about it. Cash came good. Uh, my tournaments, even though my exposures were pretty pretty good, I my most owned player was Adams, Devontae Adams, uh, and I still I still didn't even have any real sweats. So was, the construction was off. Um, I think my running back uh, exposures and model I like was spent all day updating, and I think that's where I had most of my mistakes. Yeah. What? Uh, I mean, were you were you in every contest? On DK, no. Uh, I did like the three K, the um, the two millies, mm. and, and the twenty max, and some other stuff. What was what was your what was your cash game lineup? I'm curious. Um, I didn't play cash on DK. I played cash oh, okay. on Yahoo and um, Super Draft. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't always play cash on DK and Fanduel, especially Fanduel. Yeah. It depends on the sport too. Like I, might, I just don't have enough time to get all the sites. And now that fantasy draft is gone, I guess I have more time to concentrate on stuff. But like, um, it's tough enough getting all my you know GPPs in on all these different sites to like dial in the uh, cash game and and uh, especially like when players are more uh, questionable. Yeah, like it wasn't that bad this week. wasn't that bad. But sometimes you don't know who's going to play. And these other guys are like cash game specialists. And so it's like, especially on DraftKings, it's like not really, it might not be worth it or whatever, but I'll, I'll get back in there eventually. What percentage of your process are you doing before inactives are released versus how much are you trying to do in those 90 minutes? Hmm. Um, I mean, most of my process is done, you know, 
weeks in advance of the season starting. And then I just need to update throughout the day. So it really depends on, I mean, once those inactives kind of come out, that's where I'm scrambling. Yeah. And so I have to adjust everything. So like, um, the projections change, but really it's the shares, like the, the percentage of who's catching what and who's, yeah, who's getting the carries and stuff like that. That's, that's the pain in the ass because, uh, like who went out? There was some, there were some changes. Oh, um, D.D. Westbrook, right? Yeah. Westbrook went out. Um, that, that changed things a little bit. It helped you. Helped your boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it even a guy that wasn't on my radar at all, and this is to your point, I mean, Keelan Cole had a nice day too, and that's like a prime beneficiary of a guy like D.D. Westbrook being out and shifting those target shares over to Chenault and Keelan Cole, and, and both of those guys had really good days. Yeah, and, and the afternoon game – um, I had, oh, what's it? How do you pronounce his name? Uh, I or whatever, A I K U K or whatever the, the San Brandon Francisco. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. on the 49ers. I Yeah. I had, I had too much of him. I probably should have just X'd him out. And, um, there was not a ton of good replacements for him. So like I ended up having, I mean, I switched them, I switched them out, but, um, like a lot of times you can get, that can get, that can give you a little a little EV if you, if you, cause a lot of guys just, they set their lamp and they start drinking, <laughs> you know? And uh, I don't know who it is. I'm not a, opposed to it. I'm just saying if you can stick around to three o'clock real America time and then update your lineups. Yeah. You can, yeah. You, you can definitely get a little bit of an edge. What kind of late swap action did you have on Sunday? Th- that was, that was it. So I didn't, um, I'm not going to um, completely redo a late swap unless I have to. It's just too. It's just too hard. There's no optimizer does what I do on my own. Like after I export, so like unless I absolutely have to, I just do like one for one sl- swaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had there was an interesting thing that happened. You know, I I, I had only played a just two bigger single entry stuff, and I was behind. And in both of them, I swapped off of Alvin Kamara to Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler ended up being equal or more owned than Alvin Kamara, which obviously was a disastrous pivot. And I'm still trying to untangle if everyone was galaxy braining that late swap pivot with me, or if Austin Eckler was just always going to be way higher owned than we imagined. So, what's your rationale behind that? I did watch your uh, your show. Your your uh... GPP show on RG. Um, like it seems like you often pivot your line, your single entry lamps. I honestly don't. I've probably done like oh, okay. three late swaps in the, over the past, like, and why'd you do it this like, time? Just cause you think you were drawing dead. So you wanted to put in. Yeah. And I, I mean, I did the math on that stream too. And even if I had Eckler or uh, Kamar instead of Eckler. You wouldn't have cashed. Was, yeah. And yeah, my thought was like, I had, I built my lineup around, the I had the Bridgewater to DJ Moore with the Jacobs bring back the the Jacobs thing obviously hit, but but Bridgewater and Moore kind of flopped and I'm just looking at the board and I just have if I'm projecting Kamara to be like thirty percent owned, um, I just didn't think I had any way to catch up and like it was a double edged sword with that pivot where I got off of Kittle 
in Kirk, who ended up not doing a ton, and I got over to I believe it was I can't even remember. I think it was Cook and Hopkins who were who were two great pivots. And then if I just so that's the hard. I guess this is a good question because it's like I ended up doing a three v three. Two of the three ended up being sharp pivots. It's just knowing like how how much to do. Obviously, I preferred Kamara to Eckler. Like he was in my lineup before. So what is your thought when you say that you think maybe my tendency is, is to pivot too much? And it sounds like you don't pivot that much. No. Well, I mean, I thought I mean, maybe I just had a small sample size of your shows from last year and this year. I, it looked like you always would. The ones I saw a lot of times you would, you would pivot a bunch of guys. Like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't pivot unless I have to like, um, but what do you mean by not have to, unless there's like a dramatic change in projections. So like, I don't know, let's say Mike Evans was doubtful. And then, and then after block he's put in, it's like, okay, well now I should pivot off of Godwin or, um, you know, whatever someone goes out and it's like, okay, no one's going to have this guy who's starting in place of him in the three o'clock games. Now I'll put him in there. Um, or if you're like in a, like you're, um, you're in, you're in second place. And the guy in first probably has the exact same guy you do. You like add up his salary and stuff like that. Then you might pivot off your one last player or something like that. So, that, but, but what you're describing is it sounds like that's irregardless of how your team performs that you're thinking that way. I mean, yeah. So, like, if your guy, so like, let's say like you're drawing dead or whatever, and then you want to put in a bunch of low owned guys or whatever. I mean, I'm assuming that's what you're saying is like, yeah. Then, yeah and like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how, like, I don't know how much equity that gives you. Like you need the nuts. Yeah. I was more thinking of it. Like I'm looking at my lineup and I'm like, I think even if Kamara goes for 30, like I can't min cash. And so I'm like, how can I do this to where, and I, again, obviously the the Eckler or the Kamara Eckler was a very bad because there was no ownership leverage there. But yeah. to me, I'm looking at that line and I'm, I'm like, this thing's dead if I don't do anything. But maybe I can shove my chips in on a couple of spots where no one had guys like Hopkins and Cook, which actually was was correct. Those guys were like less than 1% owned in some of those spots. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I don't know. Like you're adjusting for ownership already. So like – at that point, like you said, you're just trying to cash. And so you're going to you're going to voluntarily sacrifice points by doing that. And I don't know how much equity you gain already. Like you're already adjusted for ownership to begin with. Yeah. So like you're like you're you're purposely losing points is what you're doing. Yeah. By doing that. I'm not sure I'm not sure it's like super super helpful, but definitely the thought process of I, I, I want to bank. So I'm going to drop to all these low owned guys. It's like, you're not banking. Like you're dead after, you know, the first 10 games and you know, you can't win anymore. Like it doesn't matter who you switch to. Like you don't want to just like give yourself a less of chance of cashing. So like, I, I'm not sure that equity change from a guy who's 20% owned to 10 matters that much. Like that's probably like, I don't know, um, you know, like a pointer, point or two, maybe. Okay. Um, if that that you're gaining, and then like, what are you throwing away in lieu of that? Right, because what you're saying is like, you've built this lineup in the context 
of maximizing as many points per dollar that you can get in. And so then when you're pivoting off that, you're, you're willingly sacrificing a lot of points per dollar. Yeah. I mean, if that's what you're doing. So yeah. like, let's say, let's say, um, um, Eckler and, um, Kamara had the same projection. Yeah. Well, you should already put, you should already put Kamara Eckler in there to begin with. Right. But well, to that point though, but doesn't it have to be within the context of like the ownership of the entire lineup? I know dupes aren't as big of an issue with NFL, but like to me, Kamara, I projected him to be higher own than a lot of guys and I picked a few contrarian spots elsewhere but doesn't that that decision can't be made in a vacuum right well no but I mean even with the sum of ownership it does take into account the individual players a little bit or a decent amount Mm -hmm. so like the sum of the Kamara I mean this assumes too like uh, are we saying they had a different points projection no, I, I think Kamara definitely projected a, a few points more than Eckler in, in most systems. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, like, that would have been factored in. So, like, if they had the same amount, like, then you would have had more. You should have had more Eckler. And You're then, right. You're saying if ahead of time if – Yeah, had, already ha- you already have factored in. Yeah. It's just – you're just – you're just – you're you're essentially flipping coins at that point, I guess. You're not. I don't think you're really giving yourself any EV. I'd have to see the exact specifics, but like I doubt it's much difference, and it's probably negative. Would be my guess. And the other thing is like, where, um, why do you think Jacobs, who's a running back for the Raiders, is a run back option? So in in that kind of so I had a Bridgewater to DJ Moore and then yeah. Jacob. So in that kind of correlation, I'm assuming that the Raiders control the game on the ground. Jacob scored yeah. early, and the Panthers are playing from behind, and it forces a lot of pass attempts. Right, kind of my thesis. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. That, like in the grand scheme of things, there is a ton of correlation there. So, like, the correlation is is more for wide receivers and quarterbacks. And so you could imagine a team gets down and then they throw the ball, right? That's really what it's from. It So, like, you can get up by all sorts of different ways. Defensive touchdowns, you know, just stopping them defensively and a bunch of field goals and a couple, you know, one pass, one. You can get up a whole bunch of different ways. doesn't necessarily mean that, but when you come back, it's from bombing it. Right. So the correlations are the which aren't nearly as strong from the other team is from catchers, pass catchers. But isn't too like I mean, bring back is you know the the semantic term, but isn't it we're just trying to target the games we think could have more points scored than Vegas projects, and you're trying to get pieces of that on both sides of the ball. I mean, yeah, but that has nothing to do with the bring back of a running back so like i think there is a slight bump for a bring back on the running back but it's not um it's not huge so when you so when you're looking so you're saying when you're looking at stacks because i guess to me it makes just intuitive sense that um you know a team that's running the ball and having success doing so and the other team is playing catch up from behind so that but that you're saying the math doesn't bear that out like yeah that's the correlation. So. interesting yeah. I don't think it bears it out. And like, so obviously what you described happens. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, the, the, the value of the bring back is from bombing it when you're down 
in the ways the the multiple to, multiple ways of getting up are plentiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just running it. But basically, the only way to get back in the game is passing it. You see what I'm saying? Well, we were joking about this on the Swolecast today of like what defines the bring back. So I'm saying like, can I play Josh Jacobs? And then if we're just going to flip the semantics, can't Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore be the bring back? Yeah, but um, like you're, but you wouldn't force it in a group setting. I, I did. I this was a hand built single entry lineup. Yeah. That, so like that, that's fine. But I mean, obviously, the group settings then in your noodle. <laughs> it's yeah. in your brain but so like yeah if like but i wouldn't i wouldn't force it it is a little bump compared to random running back x but um but yeah. what you're saying is like obviously when i'm making my single entry lineups i'm thinking about a stack or a double stack and you're saying when i think about a bring back that i should almost exclusively be thinking about it through the prism of a pass catcher on the other team as opposed to a running back yeah, definitely. And the, uh, you know, maybe a James White, McCaffrey, Eckler <laughs> last year yeah. type of uh, pass catching back. But even then, I don't know if yeah, I might have them in my group settings. Um, and, and so then, I mean, everyone understands, like, let's just say everyone's on board with the quarterback to a pass catcher and a, a, a pass catching bring back. So when you think about, and I'm viewing this right now, you know, I've told you, I'm, I'm thinking about this through like a single entry hand-built lens. Like I'm too busy on Sundays. I'm not MMEing. I'm not setting up groups. I'm not doing optimizers. So when you think about running backs in that context, is it, they're all kind of like one-off plays? Are you not thinking about any correlation with regards to running backs? No, there's a slight bump. So yeah. when I make 1500 lineups, those, those running backs, if they are in, a run back stack get a tiny little bump mm -hmm. so it's there but when i'm making lineups on fantasy cruncher i don't put them in there unless it's something sp special like james white with burkhead and michelle out something okay. like that whenever you okay yeah and i think it's because like the other thing i've heard other people talk about like other even many correlations with a game of like say you have a stack and a pass catching bring back like we were just talking about. And then I've heard other people talk about, okay, well then play like a running back and a wide receiver from a same game with that thought. But it sounds like you're saying that that's kind of not borne out in the map. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think there's uh there's anything over 0.3 over the long term for a bring back or point, 0.03, I should say. 0.3 would be huge. And the, but, but the pass catching bring back has a higher R. Yeah. It depends, but like between like 0.2 and 0.5, and it depends on the player too. Yeah. And, but, uh, yeah. and a good example of that one would have been the Vikings Packers game this week where you have Rogers Adams and you bring it back with Thielen. That obviously yeah. smashes. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Sorry. The, the chat has. Uh, <laughs> that's not what we wanted to talk about today. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, it's good. Like, this is, I, I think people are enjoying this. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me pull a few of the comments over here. People are, people are balking at not balking, but uh shocked that you make 1500 lineups. Um, someone wanted to ask you how high will you go on your highest exposures? Are there any ways you would get to 50, 60, 70, even 80% of ownership in the NFL? I'm struggling with where exactly to land on the high end. Um, I'm sorry. I wasn't entirely paying attention. We had, 
we have Noah Hoffman in our YouTube chat. I don't think it's really him. But. I don't think it is too. I've I've seen plenty of uh, fake Noah Hoffman. Uh, start revealing details about your life story, and we'll see if it's you. Um, yeah, what what tour are you playing on, Noah? Sorry, go 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 ahead. No, so Sean um, Michael in the YouTube chat is asking. He's asking, um, like, how high would you go on an exposure? He's saying, would you go oh, yeah. up eighty percent, ninety percent? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I don't know if I've ever gone a hundred. Um, because like as a thought experiment, if Christian McCaffrey was priced at $4,000, I'm pretty sure you would have him, I guess, actually, this is a good thought experiment. If Christian McCaffrey was $4,000 and he was going to have 95% ownership and he was projected for 25 DraftKings points, Mm -hmm. how much do you think you would have of him? I'd have to see it. uh, I'd have to like run the whole slate and then whatever it whatever it told me I would do. Um, I mean, but it, that's definitely not on the wrong possibility. That would be hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, 95% owned. Yeah. Um, I, here's what, here's my guy. Here's what my guess would be. It would tell me a hundred percent. Um, but I didn't, you know, I don't know everything and maybe the right answer isn't, isn't hundred percent, but I think it would, I would be at a hundred percent. Yeah. And I was actually curious when you told me you had a lot of Devonte Adams, because that was an interesting decision point for me this week of, you know, we've all been conditioned to think like, okay, you can eat chalk at running back because it's so projectable. Devontae Adams at 7,300 on DraftKings was one of the most mispriced players this week, but he was also going to catch a ton of ownership. How did did you kind of think about Devontae Adams or at least your math thought about him as just like projectable in a similar way to running backs where you didn't feel like fading him at that ownership? I mean, you know, I don't like think about it like that. Like yeah. I don't like go, oh, Devontae Adams is this, and so I'm gonna change it. The only time I ever do that is like when it's, I don't know, some sort of glaring thing. Like in the two gamer on Monday, I had a lot of Drew Lock, and I'm like, I gotta bump this down. I can't like sleep at night. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so I just let it roll. And I what and I had I started the morning off with like 78 percent Adams. And through like the updates throughout the day as the odds changed and more information came in, I, I ended up at like 49 or something. So it yeah. did go down. Yeah. But yeah, like, it, it, I mean, it's not, it's not, um, it's not just like, okay, a guy's, a guy's going to be 35% owned. I can't play him. Like that's never really how it works. At least f- for me. Um, and obviously it looked good this week. But um, it could always go the other way. And my guess is your projections had him as just being massively undervalued at seventy three hundred. Yeah, I had him for I can't remember. I had him for you know a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of points for seventy four hundred. So, and I mean, I don't want to put r- words in Brian's mouth, but like your exposure is going to be a dynamic relationship between your points per projection and the projected ownership, right? Yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are uh, scoffing, or I, I can't find the right word for it, at the fact that you had 1,500 lineups. Explain to people what you mean. You're, you're not hand-building 1,500 lineups. I mean, any optimizer, anyone can go build thousands of lineups really easily if they want to. Yeah, I, I wake up at 2 in the morning and start <laughs> building. Um, yeah, I crunch a bunch of different stack types. And then export them and then manipulate the data. Yeah. So fifteen. I mean, I said fifteen hundred. I, I, I think that's what I did. But somewhere around there, somewhere yeah. around there seems fine. 
Yeah. For and a gigantic I mean, GPP. Right. Like footballs are almost always are. Um, let's see here. We have some more questions. Um, so, so here you go for a 20 max player. If you're making 20 lineups, what kind of overall ownership are you looking to stay under? I assume this is referencing, you know, like the guys at ETR, they, they did an article too about like the trends of like the cumulative ownership for lineups that finish in the top 1%. I know you do things a little differently, but how would you think about that for a 20 max player who? is trying to make sure they're winning in a non-duplicated way. Yeah. The same way, I guess, I, I don't know if I read that article, but very similar to that. Um, and me and you have talked about this, Peter, uh, off stream, where, so 20 max doesn't just, 20 max doesn't mean that that's dramatically different than 150 max. It's the amount of players in your GPP. And in football, they get huge. What was the one you played? Like, I don't know, 30-some thousand and 40,000 almost? I, I mean, I think the opening Thursday night, uh, 20 max, one of them was 100,000 plus. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And, and oftentimes those 20 max, $3 ones, whatever, they have a higher score that won it than the millimaker. Yeah. And it, it definitely happens. So, like, it's basically the exact same thing when you're talking. Now, if you're doing a 20 max, you know, League of Legends slate with 300 people, you know, you don't have to get crazy. Um, well, maybe in League of Legends, because you don't want to do, but you get you get the idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like it would be the exact same thing. You want to find a uh, whatever the max ownership is for that slate and get underneath it. It's a that that number changes. You know, it's not it's a dynamic. That's the word of the day here, I guess. So like that the the amount you want to be under the cap, uh, the ownership cap changes each slate. And so the way to do that is I've said this a bunch of times too is do the same thing for whatever multiple slates go back on lineup rewind on fantasy cruncher that's free or go on their whatever their extra paid one is where it shows all the information and then compare yourself to other top players players who you respect and be like okay i have i have too much i'm i'm too high on my highest so you know what i mean and you can really dial it in dialing your dupes depends on the sport and get your process down um just by you know, whatever the process of elimination, essentially, where it's like, okay, I did too much this time, or I did too little. And then you find that sweet spot and then try to stick with it for the rest of the season or, you know, whatever, five or six weeks. Yeah. So in it, like in a single entry NFL contest, let's say a uh, contest size, like 10,000 single entry, like at what risk, like how, how much at risk are you of having a duped lineup? Do you think with Football? like, in, in fo- I'm sorry, in football? In football, yeah, because that's I'm still like coming over. You know, I've been scarred from League of Legends, MMA, and all these dupes. Versus, how unique do you have to get in a single entry like midfield size contest? Because, again, the point I keep coming home to is like we're trying to get the most projected points into our lineup that's not duplicated. Okay, let me look at the hundred dollar from uh, whatever Sunday. Or check the um. So they didn't run the spy single entry. They had the two hundred dollar bar- bargain bin single entry. That was the one I was in. Okay. Well, let me look at my lineup size. This is really quick. I just wanted. Oh, that's I just want to tell you if uh, how many dupes I had in the million or I had none in the yeah in the hundred dollar millionaire hundred dollar million. And so then in the other one I had, um, and and obviously so how many so that was twenty eight thousand entries in that hundred dollar one. So there you go. Yeah. Um, 
I you're 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 not nearly as likely to do well the way the way I I play though it's going to be super unlikely for me to do. Yeah. Um. In in these NFLs, there's plenty tons of combinations. There's more combinations in the NFL than uh, a lot of sports. More than the PGA, that's for sure. And like we don't really have a problem duping there. I mean, yeah. It depends. It depends. But and now their their sites going their sites lagging. So let's just skip the rest of that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Yeah. So, but that then, if you're not worrying about it at all, then you know when you say the way I play, you know, I assume you're referring to being contrarian. Are are you being less contrarian in NFL than you are other sports? No. But here's what I would. I guess this would be the best piece of advice I could give is it's different by position. Yeah. So you want to be more contrarian in some positions than others. And I'm, I'm assuming if you played NFL for any length of time, you should be able to figure that one out. There you go. A little homework for you. Uh, there are some people who want to get to know brick 75. Uh, two people want to know, have you ever had a real job brick? And if so, how long ago? I've had real, plenty of real jobs. Um, twenty sixteen or seventeen was my last job. Yeah. Do you care to disclose or no? Um, no, I worked for the state. I've talked about it before, and then before that, I worked for a political consulting company for a little bit, and before that, I played poker for like eight or nine years, and before that, I was in minor league baseball. And you also, right now, you do PR for Alex Baker, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, pro bono. I hope one day to get a little, you know, a little compensation. You were the one that actually doctored up that screenshot of his FanDuel account. I heard the 35 million that was doctored. I, I mean, that's what I, that's what I was heard. That's what I heard. Yeah. What? Uh, no, I didn't, do- I didn't doctor that up. The funny thing is, is for a joke like that, it's like people's connotation of Alex Baker is he's this great DFS player. We've seen screenshots of his DraftKings account where he has over a million in there. So to me, this is my issue with the Alex joke here is like, if I do that, everyone laughs. There's no way Peter would have 35 million in his account. Everyone has a hearty laugh. When Alex does it, everyone's like, hmm, I can see it. I can see it. Everyone actually believed it because it was like within the realm of possibility. So my mom called me, or I called her, and we were talking about it. She goes, that guy has $35 million? <laughs> Wait, your mom is on Twitter? Yeah. What? Your mom is on Twitter? That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. wow. Did your mom follow me on a burner? I No, I think she follows you on her regular account. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Does she watch Lowell's ever? Yes, every show she's probably watching right now. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Hi, Bricks, Mom. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's good to have it. Yeah. The, um, because I do remember a real screenshot from Osimo where he was showing how many crowns he had in his DK account. It was like a million crowds and like a, a million dollar, uh, in there. So uh, I love to, I've had this happen a few times lately where people have to bail on their joke. You know, they'll be like, Oh, people don't get a joker. I need a sarcasm. And, and Osimo had to bail on it and be like, guys, it was yeah. a Photoshop. Uh, well, our little tweet before the show of taking questions, we're like 60, there was 60, 40, I'd say f- joke responses and real responses. And you figure Alex is probably right around there too nowadays since of her, for all of his uh, uh, joke tweets. Well, but yeah, it's tough. He's Alex? got so many followers though. I mean, he's got like 23, 24,000 followers. So 
There's nothing you can do about that. The thing is, is Alex, he does this thing like a poker player, right? Where he balances his range with his bluffs. Like every time I start reading one of his tweets, I don't know. Like this tweet is just so straightforward. Rashad Perriman played 100% of the snaps for the Jets week one. They're going up against the 49ers, but he's only 3,800 on DK. I keep waiting for the shoe to drop, but that's literally just two straight, just regular facts. There's no joke there. But with Alex, you never know. He might, like, I can't tell if he tweeted this as a joke or Wait, if he meant Did he it. really play 100% of the snaps? No, right? I'm pretty sure he did. I, I really? saw that. Oh, okay. Because uh, their rookie they drafted, Denzel Mims, was out. So it was just Jamison Crowder and Perriman. But again, this is what I'm talking about with one of these tweets oh, from Austin. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I was thinking of somebody else. Sorry. That's right. Okay. That makes more uh, sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So Brian did put out uh, some questions here. Um, actually, this is a good question. Did you read Osmo's tweets using Alex Baker's voice in your head? I have done that. Here, I'll do this one. Who are your top 144 highest owned golfers this week? <laughs> uh, I need to work on my awesome yeah. Um, I literally, like when you told me we could talk a little bit about golf, I didn't even realize there was golf. And it's the PGA Championship? It's the U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Yeah. You need you need to toke up a little bit before uh, you do your Alex and Fred Baker impression. <laughs> That's true. I'm not saying he's high. I'm saying he sounds like he's high sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to ask me to toke up for a show of lols, I mean, I I mean, I will. <laughs> right. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I have to ask. Um. I do need to work on that one. Uh. So yeah. Do you want to answer his question? Your top 144 highest owned golfers. This could be a great performance <laughs> artwork piece where you just list off 144 golfers. Yeah. Yeah. We have. We'll have to extend the show like an hour. No, that's a joke, people. That's <laughs> a joke. Um, let's see. What were were there any other questions uh, that stood out to you as as being interesting here? Yeah, there's a bunch of them in there. Um, How about this one, quick? Because I saw Jamarius in our our chat as well. Do you have an opinion on the tiers games on DraftKings? Is there room for an edge there? Yeah, I haven't played the tiers in a while. I can't imagine that there's not an edge there. Yeah. So I guess the question would be like, okay, since it's tiers and not salary, like, do you have an edge? Um, I, I would bet you definitely do. I, I would, I bet, or I know a lot of, of the regulars don't play it. They don't bother. So that's definitely something if you, if you're looking to like get a little, a little edge on, I would definitely look at the tiers for sure. Yeah. Have you been playing tiers or no? I haven't. No, I didn't play this this week. I played them when they first came out. That's another thing too. Like it's tough for me to do like the mon the morning slate. You know, the one a.m. slate. and They have a three p.m. slate, and it's like too many sites and stuff like that. So I'm I'm, I'm scaling back. Yeah, and then we'll see. If I run hot, I'll start just entering everything. <laughs> this is uh this is a good question. It's a question I think I hear floated around a lot. If you restarted DFS today with a thousand dollars. What would your contest selection strategy be? Yeah, and I've said this to you too, Peter, a bunch of times. Probably on this I never show. listened to you. <laughs> never listened to me on this show a lot. I would, I, I would go on Superdraft and um, and probably Yahoo, and I would play thousand um, dollars. There's plenty of stuff on there to play. Um, with a thousand dollars, though, you might want to just start with like Superdraft and then build that up, and then take some of the profits and put it on Yahoo, something, some strategy along those lines. There's less regulars who play those sites. The rakes lower. Um, 
on on um, I can't the, the super draft has multipliers, so it's tough to tell because um, my experience is with salaries. But um, they the Yahoo salaries uh, there's always mispriced players, and they have enough bad players that don't compensate for that. So like you like you get like two free squares every week on Yahoo football, Yahoo any sport really. Yeah. And so, you know, despite what people think, <laughs> there was a Rufus Peabody thread that I was in in a little bit uh, last week or two weeks ago about whether bad pricing is good or bad for people. And, you know, I'm always on the side of bad pricing is good for us, good skilled DFS players. And so there's a lot of bad pricing on Yahoo, and I think that's great. Yeah. And um... – because I remember last year, Yahoo was running a lot of even full no rake contests. Do they have those going on right now, or is it just minimal? Yeah, they fill up fast, so you really want to get them quick. So you can get like no rake, low rake, um, super draft almost always overlays. I want to say, um, which so that's so an overlay is either no rake or actually they pay you to play, and like it adds up, man. Um, uh, <laughs> Dude, that was, it, it's so funny when I get on Yahoo because that was my old, uh, yeah, oh, I have $80 in this account. I need to get rolling here. Yeah, there you go. And you got a thousand, uh, YSRPs, baby. So, uh, you got to register. If you scroll down, you got to register for all the, uh, um, the free rolls. Like you have to do like one step registration for some of the stuff. Like you okay. get in all of those. And there's overlay too on that site, overlay on super draft. And, um, you know, we want these sites to succeed too, because we want as much competition and DFS as possible. Yeah. All right. I know. That's what I would do. And, uh, yeah, Brian has told me, he said, you need to play on Yahoo. And I just, out of pure laziness, I don't do it, but this is the week. This is the week I'm going to do it. Are you maxing all of these? Yeah. Yeah. What are their, like their big one? How many entries can you put in? One, it depends on the week, but it's probably, it was 150. Yeah, it's 150 again, top right corner. Okay. That's another thing too, is they're usually on both those sites, Superdraft and um, Yahoo. It's usually, le- it's usually like 10, 20 or 30 max entry. Um, like tonight's Superdraft's MLB had $1,000 first, seven max entry. Okay. You know, so. It's a lot easier. Easier might be the wrong word. You have a, like a higher probability of taking down these smaller tournaments too. Yeah. And do you um for the for people who are using um other ownership and um are do you know are any of the content sites doing Yahoo projections and ownership? Yeah, Alex Alex does. Alex it. has it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. And 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 they're not like. Like you don't even need them. <laughs> yeah, it's that soft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the pricing's really bad, which is good. And there's a lot of uh, in the, the beginning of the football season, there's a lot of bad players. It, I mean, it won't hurt you if you figure if you know how to use ownership and adjust for it. It's not gonna, you know, you should. Yeah. Um. So when you're saying for like the rate, I mean, like I'm seeing like twelve percent management fee. I guess what it what is that on the? Because that still seems relatively not not in the not in the big ones no okay like DraftKings big one was probably like 16 percent or 18 percent okay um, but like this single entry here 50 12 eh, percent 
Yeah, we you can do you have that on uh at least they show it. Um you could check. Go to yeah, go to DraftKings. Do you yeah, have no, the, I have it um do you have the extension on there? Yeah, I have the RG extension on. Yeah, let's take let's take a look. Yeah, see? Oh wait, no, that was overlay. Sorry. Um let's look at the Sunday slate. The millionaire is it like it was fifteen percent. Yeah, fifteen percent. Okay, you're saving three percent. Yeah, which is a lot. Yep. Um, and let's look at the compare the fifty dollars single entries. So that's that's uh, actually it's less. That's line. actually interesting. Yeah. So that, yeah. Twelve point one versus uh, versus eleven point nine nine. Maybe That's maybe good. they they change a little bit too. Yeah, um, I think like the double ups are higher on DraftKings too for cash games. I should get in this one. No veterans. Yeah. You're not a lot in this one, right? But even with like the identical uh, rake on that single entry, I'd rather put my money on Yahoo because the competition's worse. The yeah. Worse. So like point oh one difference, or whatever. I'd still rather do Yahoo. On um, one negative of Yahoo is they their CSV exports lame, <laughs> so like you have to do it for each individual entry. Ooh. So That's- the 150 in the ball are here. Yeah, you can switch that 150, but it doesn't mean you can switch. Once you switch that, it switches in the whatever the guaranteed 5k. Okay. You'd have to do that one individually too. So on SuperDraft, you do you can do them all at once. Gotcha. And, Super, and Superdraft has one other easy, awesome feature that no other site has, which is um, uh, they don't have salaries. So late swap becomes extremely easy. And like you'll you'll basically never get locked out on a player. So like you could get locked out on like let's say it's a two-game NBA slate on DraftKings and Anthony Davis goes down or something like that. Like there might not be another power forward option. You know what I'm saying? Like that happens sometimes. Yeah. No, it happened to me in my very short lived MLB career this year where I had set my lineup and then I didn't have an outfielder or whatever to replace. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball happens quite a bit. So like, yeah, you like uh, the Anthony Davis is the wrong example. It would be like um, Pat Beverly or like a cheaper player. And so like you only have 4k left in salary and the only available option is 6,700. That'll never yeah. happen on, on Superdraft. You could just switch to him, and he'll have a lower multiplier, and it works yeah. itself. Let's um, let's answer a couple more questions. Then we'll uh, we'll build a, a showdown lineup for tomorrow. I believe, Brian. I believe we doubled up our lineup last week with Clyde Edwards Hilaire as our captain. Uh, we cashed. Yeah, yeah, min cash, min cash lulls. Nice. Yeah, that's two in a row. It is two in a row. Some would call it a heater, actually. That's right. Um, some stuff, best strategy for maximizing deposit bonus. At first, I thought there was going to be a joke uh, about the deposit king, but um, I guess, yeah, I, I haven't thought a lot about deposit bonuses, which you would think as the deposit king, uh, I would. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, he's joking. Are I you think. sure? I'm pretty sure. But yeah, deposit bonuses. If he's talking about like gambling, sports betting, there is actually a strategy. Yeah, on the sports betting ones, there it does seem like there is. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sports betting strategy because you could, you could 
you know, it's it was called deposit whoring back in the day. It's probably something they want to change now, um, where you just you find all the deposits, you 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 max the deposits, and then you bet like into zero EV lines on each site, the same bet. Yeah. Uh, do, should we go over that or no? Is that waste time? No, no. I th- I think that's um that makes sense. It's um it also the um we've talked about it before, but the logic of sports betting, the book by Ed Miller, he talks about that too about you know the ability to bet into kind of null holds markets, in which case you're you can bet coin flips if you know that the vig isn't getting you, and if you have a hunch, if you have a source, if you whatever, you can you can just bet into it as a coin flip and and be okay long term. Yeah, that's slightly different. But you're using the no, you're using the same logic as that in that in that book, but then you're taking the bets on two different books. So, like, if you have a five hundred dollar bonus, five hundred dollar playthrough, you bet five hundred on the Dolphins on this one, and five hundred on the on the Browns. Let's say they're playing each other on yeah. a different, one. and then you just you lose on one, win on the other, but it doesn't matter. Yep. You know and so you, yeah. you you have like a uh, a risk free playthrough for the for the deposit bonuses. You right. just keep doing that, rifling through any deposit bonus you see out there. There was a another question at the bottom too that was looking good, but if you have one, go for it. No, no, no. which one? This one? Yeah. Where do you start to build a good projection system? So down you you pay for or or scrape your own database, depending on the sport. Some sports are easier to get than others. And then once you have a database, you got to Google a little stats uh, class or learn how to do, uh, let's say, like three different types of regressions, linear, nonlinear, and logistic. And then once you learn how to do those, which they're not complicated, um, I mean, you could figure them out. It takes a little bit, but you could figure it out. You use your database and you come up with ideas. It's kind of a guessing game of what matters, what will matter, and um, use those variables that you think matter in the proper fashion, linear, nonlinear, or logistic, or other, um, to come up with a model for something. And then from there, you can use that model to either just play it outright or to predict, to, to reject players or um, – or, or, or use a simulation with that model in hand-to-hand. Um, I don't – there's probably more to it that I'm not thinking about, but that's that's how you do it. And it's a pain in the ass, but uh, you can do it. Yeah, I and saw then, – oh, go ahead. And then compare it. Pay for a month subscription at Osmo and compare it to Alex's or whoever you think is sharp. And then compare your – results to theirs yeah and then when your ownership projections have a slightly higher r correlation you can write to alex and be like i own you this <laughs> month dude he'll love, it. he'll love it how do you know what his r is you don't i hey, guess you can tell on ownership yeah it's true um let's see was there anything else in here that would be worth talking about before we build a lineup oh uh, um, yeah that, that one will do um there's a couple on here. I don't know how much time we have. Do you have your second show today? Yeah, I do. Let's uh, let's do questions for like another five minutes, and then we'll build a lineup to wrap up. Okay. So um, 
we're in the range of median projections versus optimal projections. Are you landing? Um, yeah, I'm, th that one I still don't fully understand. I would do something like simulate a target score, maybe, if that's what you're going for. So um, I think like, like I understand the question he's asking in that like projections are are showing a median projection, but he's trying to think how do I access those ceiling plays and and maybe put a little more emphasis on those when building a lineup. Um, use that technique I had on one of our shows and we cut out the the part too it's on my it's on my youtube page where you up the randomness for the guys you have think you have a higher ceiling if you want more of them and just mathematically the way the randomizer works on optimizers you'll get more organically of those players that's probably the easiest way to do it. and i've seen like if you've watched alex he's done some shows where he's worked in um in the optimizer and and he'll really jack up the randomness on on some of the players i've seen him do that uh kyle says self-promoting time who has the best database or model tools for your core sports well brian uses his own um are there others brian that you think are particularly sharp um database is uh it depends I got lucked into someone who I know had an awesome football one that I use um, that is not publicly available um, for – I'm looking for a tennis one. So if any of you guys have a good tennis one, I'll, I'll pay for it. Um, big Data Ball has basketball. I use that for basketball. And I think Alex uses something like KBO Sports or KO Sports or something like that. You can Google Google that one. He put it in his AMA on Reddit. So go ahead. And there you go. There. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right, guys. Sorry, there's some random questions coming in about PGA DFS, about randomness here. But uh, Brian and I have to win um, $300,000 on Thursday night, a slate that uh, I haven't specifically looked at very closely. And I'm guessing Brian hasn't either, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I haven't. I've been, I've been but that's that. what makes this fun. I mean, we're coming off a heater. We're two for two. Um, the news and notes, Jarvis Landry has been uh, limited in practice this week with a hip injury. Um, I would say the other surprises heading into this game would be, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb look like they're in a pretty even split. Um, you know, you got to think Chubb gets a little bit more opportunities. This entire Cleveland offense looked bad. Uh, A.J. Green kind of picked up right where he left off. I believe he had nine targets on Sunday. Um, so we can build a showdown lineup here. This game feels like just one of those classic gross Thursday night, like 13 to seven kind of games. Yep. It really does. Where like you had to like find what channel it was on and you're like, Oh my God, Cleveland Cincy. Yeah. Um, uh, Burrow and Mayfield sucked last week too. They did. Yeah. And, and yet, like, I'm still, like, way more bullish on Burrow than I am Bayfield. Like, my new take on Mayfield is he's going to be out of the league in, like, a year or two. Uh, I Yeah. Who, yeah. I, who's worse, uh, Trubisky or Mayfield? That's pretty easy. But um, Honestly, like, at least Trubisky has shown a ceiling. 
Like he can have a five touchdown game where he rushes one in and like connect. Like he's erratic and prone. Like Mayfield, have we ever seen the ceiling for him? Like I've never no. seen him crush. That's why I would think buy buy low on OBJ, not in fantasy, but in real life. Just um, yeah, get like going to everyone wanted him out of the Giants or he wanted out of the Giants. And like that was such a bad spot. I'm with you. I still believe in OBJ as the talent, but I mean, this is just an awful spot for him. What about this conspiracy theory? OBJ leaked a fake Cleveland steamer story to get himself out of Cleveland. No? Okay. The wait, the wait, the shit story? Yeah, that's what a Cleveland <laughs> steamer is. He he had that girl leak that to try to get him out. It's probably going to take a lot more than a shit fetish All to get him out of Cleveland. That's OBJ logic. He's like, no, no, this will work. This will get me out of Cleveland. Nick Chubb, by the way, also, like, what he had less – did he have less than Hunt or just a lot less than we expected? I know he was – he screwed me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so he had 13 attempts. Um, he actually had four receptions that wasn't bad. Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at Kareem Hunt. I was like, yeah, that's not bad. Um yeah, yeah so less, ten attempts and only one reception. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, and I uh, like, that is that is Baltimore. Yeah, and when you're down by thirty in the second quarter, you just throw out Hunt's more of a third down back kind of right. Yeah. Okay, so I say we take we take Chubb then. I'm not saying we need him in captain, but what do you think? I, I'm with you. Yeah, I think everyone's gonna be really down on Chubb, and now they're at home. For Cincinnati, Joshua Kelly, the rookie for the Chargers, had a pretty good day. And and Eckler on the ground against them. I, I like the Chubb call. Let's just put him in the flex uh, for now and then see what we want. Okay. Um, You know, as far as these, like, if we're looking for a captain, you know, that has a ceiling, Burrow didn't – so – yeah, Boyd seems to be kind of – he's generally like a volume guy, but he only had four receptions. I mean, Green might be the highest ceiling guy. What's – yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's that's fair. Nine, so he had nine targets. He only converted five. So um, Greenboro. Do you, Green which captain one would you want captain? Uh, I mean, Green with that salary is probably going to carry a lot of ownership, huh? Um. I don't know. Random time? Random this time? Yeah. Random. You want me to do it or you want to do it? You want me to go to random.org? Yeah. This is how I make all life decisions. Oh, need to use, see, I need to use my wheel because my wheel has way more drama to it. Okay. Um. What? So what do you want me to put in here? Um, AJ uh, Green and – Green and uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow as our two options. All right, here we go. See, this is fun. <laughs> oh, it's Joe Burrow. Oh, okay. There you go. The scientific. Scientific. All right, and so then we get A.J. Green. So we are going to need to save some salary here eventually. Do you feel like this is a game where we could get um, – I mean, we're obviously going to need another Bengals pass catcher. Yeah, now – yeah, we want five Bengals, maybe four. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, the other guys, you're going to have John Ross. Um, he looked pretty solid. I mean, that he had five targets. He's their deep threat guy. 
The other options, if we want to get gross, CJ Uzuma is their tight end. How many targets did he have? He had five targets too. That's not bad at 5,000. Um, Jay is saying Ross played a bunch of snaps. Yeah, I saw he hit a – I saw him on a, a wide receiver screen. I just watch Red Zone, so I don't get a lot of – I'm not a film guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I only watch, uh, only watch Red Zone. I mean, although we will probably – I would assume this start is fairly chalky. We might need something off the wall here. We could just cut the salary a couple, couple, two, three, four K. Yeah. I do like, um, we could do, you do like Uzuma and Ross, just like that would leave us with 7,000 and then we could cut it. Yeah. Like you said, with like a kicker, a D, what do you think? You think five, one is still kind of the best way to do it. What about Geo? I like Geo. We put Geo in there. What did he do last week? Okay, so four, five four targets is yeah. nice. So, does he play garbage time? I mean, he plays in negative game scripts. Hmm. If I knew what that was, I would. No, I mean that. Yeah, if if they're behind and they need the pass catching back, he he's on the like they've gone away from Joe Mixon. If they're if they're down, well, if they're behind, we're in trouble. Well, maybe not. If Chubb runs a couple in, it's all game. It's garbage. <laughs> um, but that could be our thing if we're just going to do Chubb and then. Yeah. No, that's it. That's the winner. I think that's the winner right there. Leave 4K on the table. Leave 4K on the table. Done. Who doubts us? Who doubts us? We, we're two, 2-0 and oh basically because I don't count the ones before we were joking. No, no, that was all. That was all a bit, and then we yeah. kind of said, "Let's turn it around for the for the viewers." Yeah. So this should be three and zero. Oh. That'll be what three hundred thousand plus our two min caches. It's like three sixty. It does kill me to only win three hundred thousand when it should be. I want to use our one time on a million. Did yeah? Uh, did you like my my poll? Oh yeah, I mean this poll was you know massively insulting to lot <laughs> in. I mean, I feel like uh, let's let's go to his poll. I actually want to see the updated results here. Okay, I'm glad Davis has pulled away with this. Who do you think is more thirsty for a big GPP takedown with the sole purpose of shoving it in their haters' collective face? Um, so I will say this: I am very thirsty for a GPP takedown. I don't I don't know. Like, I definitely have haters, but I don't think I have as many haters as as Davis. Davis has is a more Davis has haters. You have like friendly jibs or, or whatever you would call it like a little bit of ribbing yeah um but and so here here's what i, I was going to save this before it was over but here's what i would do i i would vote Maddox, but i think you would use the screenshot like a bludgeon like anyone ever comes at you for any reason bam that screenshot would just appear so like, you would get more screenshot per minute you know than Maddox would I but mean, you would be more thirsty for it. We would both become absolutely insufferable. Like if we won more than than six figures, I, yeah. I think would we would be. I mean, like someone would be like, "Oh, Peter, you misspelled uh, there," and you just bam, <laughs> yeah, three hundred k, three hundred k, bitch. <laughs> what? That's this is my long game. It's um, you know, sandbagging as a shitty DFS player so that I can just come over the top with that one big GPP score. 
Yeah. Although we should actually talk about that real quick be- right before we wrap up. And I think it's actually um, a good thing to talk about after we, um, what we were talking about. So Nelson, you had actually sent this to me. He did um, a sim. He said, after week one in NFL, it's a good time for DFS variants. Reality check. I sim the results of a person playing 40 $10 entries into a 2K person GPP with an expected long-term ROI of 25%. I let a year represent 100 slates, which would equate to playing 40K entries in a year. And the graph kind of shows you the massive swings you would be dealing with over this 25-year period. What were your thoughts uh, on this graph he posted? Yeah, go back to go back to the other one. Yeah, that one's more uh, informational, I think. I mean that look that looks dead on to me. Um, so like if your roll was four K, like you could pot you would lose it every <laughs> year, except one two one two three four five six seven times. But like even those seven times, you'd be struggling. And a 25% ROI is, is generous too. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone's winning at 25%. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah. It's, but at least each one is up. And 100 slates is is actually probably generous for football, but um, but not generous for like whatever, baseball or basketball. So – you could probably get more in and also like if, if you could get an edge on multiple sports, you know, you could get thousands of slates in, in a year. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't shock me at all. I think maybe people, yeah, I mean, people really do need to focus on that largest downswing column because if you look at the final net, it looks like, Oh, well I'm up, you know, uh, whatever, 80% of the years. I mean, it's pretty amazing with 25% edge, you're, you're going to lose one, two, three, three years out of 25. I mean, that's, that's not a lot, but it's still pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, and even like, look at those year five and six, you know, where you have a seven and a half thousand dollar downswing, you finish up, you know, three and a half thousand dollars, but it's like, you have to have the stomach for a seven and a half thousand dollar downswing. I mean, that, that feels, that feels awful, but it's, it kind of illustrates the variants you have to be willing to stomach if you are playing these top heavy GPP contests. Yeah. And, and we're talking about rake two earlier. Every point is going to lower that column one and increase the column two. So you want to play in as low rake, no management fees, all that stuff overlay as most is humanly possible. Year 22 too. look at that six K downswing almost ends up, 300 bucks plus it's like that's a that's a kick in the nards it, it's also too like i mean we obviously have different relationships and uh with dfs too but like the i i wouldn't want to take on like that obviously your bankroll should be sized appropriately to where you don't have to take on the emotional anguish like but it's like you do you do have to ask yourselves can i literally emotionally handle that kind of beating knowing um that long term i'm going to be okay but then i think the question for most people is like how do i know i'm actually a 25 percent roi person which we already established was unrealistic but just knowing again in this 25 year journey am i actually profitable in the long run yeah 
and I I don't think it's as like um, static as I'm a X ROI player. Yeah, it's like changes from year to year. Like players get better, you might get worse. New information might come out that you're not aware of. So like even your ROI, you're never really sure of. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's crazy. It's not. I wouldn't recommend it honestly for a full time job. Yeah. I, mean, I know. Awesome, but. I was talking to someone today too. Who was asking about like you know the how many people do it you know full time and stuff, and it's uh, it's a small cohort of you guys, and it's uh, there's a lot that goes into it beyond the uh, the glamour of the screenshot life. So uh, and Jake, really quick, Jake had a comment here, and, and yeah. also when you're down swinging, you feel like you're never going to win again. So that's fun. In addition to losing the money, like that's totally true. That like you you feel like a fucking idiot, yeah. right? Like what am I stupid? Why why is everyone so smart? And you start going in a fantasy crunch and rewind. Like this guy's a genius. I need to copy him. You know stuff like that. And even if you've been gambling for most of your adult life, like me, like uh, uh, it's it it almost never goes away. You get to handle it better. I you know I think that also just comes with like <laughs> with age. I yeah. imagine I'm like not as crazy as I used to be, but like. Um, it's you never get and you never get over it and so like that's the reason why i kind of like started doing stuff like this too is uh because i would just sit in it by myself and not like and do everything by myself and have like no friends in the industry and no friends in poker and like i think it was like a detriment so like that's good and jake has you know plenty of people he talks to and he works at awesome and stuff like that so that should help him um and you know for anyone else too like you know getting a little getting a little DFS group or something with other guys who seem pretty good or interested. Like you can easily do it like on Osmo's Slack or something like that. Start your own. It's all, all the poker guys do that, right? They, they share hand histories and they bounce ideas yeah, off of each other. For sure. And I never did that. And I regretted it afterwards. Like, um, like I would talk with like AE Jones a little bit and, um, uh, uh, Samo a decent amount. I don't know if you guys, these are old school names. People probably don't remember them. Um, but not a lot. And, uh, you know, no one in my, you know, like actual friends group really played for a living. They did play everyone back then played poker. You remember Pete, like every fucking buddy played poker. Oh yeah. Um, so like you could talk poker a little, but that almost made it worse. Right. It's like, Oh, would you just play good hands? I play poker. I play at my buddy's house, like hundred bucks. And it's like, yeah, I just lost, you know, 20 K today. Uh, PLO. I actually think DFS is easier from the what you were just describing as like the community discussing aspect because it's like we all shared it. Okay, like we all were deciding whether to play Boston Scott or not. Whereas in poker, you're like describing the super specific spot and you're like, all right, that was just your bad beat, like whatever, dude. <laughs> for me, for me, the 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 benefit is I think for me it just th- this type of thing is like stats research and. and in this type of game theory is better for me personally than poker was, but like, um, uh, the, uh, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. What, what, what did you just say? Cause I actually brought up a, oh, we're thing. talking about like bouncing. Like, uh, I, I said that poker beats are more like whatever, dude, that was your bad beat versus all of us having a collective decision point with. The exactly. Thank you. So Boston Scott, like, you know, that's a good play. Like you basically know it's a good play, but in poker before, like, all the training sites and books and stuff like that that came out from the good players, you were guessing. 
And that's kind of the way it is too with modeling right now is like, it's a lot of guessing. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's science and math based, but you're still guessing a little bit. Uh, not, yeah. not, you know, not entirely, but like that, like you would make a play, like how much should you three bet preflop in which hands? Like you kind of know you're supposed to, but like when, where, how, th- I'm talking, you know, mid 2000s, maybe late, late 2000s. Like you didn't know, but you know that Boston Scott's undervalued because Miles Sanders is ruled out and he's going to get carries. So like there, there's, there, there's that. And in the competitive aspect too, is like, for me, it was playing against that guy. So like if reverse Z top was like a screen name that would beat me over and over again in poker, like I legitimately hated that fucking guy. Like I would like, Oh, he's sitting on my fucking table. I just instantly get tilted. Where in DFS, I kind of get a little tilted, but not that, not that bad. Like there's some names that piss me off, but like, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's like, right. eh, whatever. he won a GPP. It doesn't really bother me. Maybe if I like played, like if I was a heads up specialist or something that could happen, but it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, Jake Harry agrees hundred percent. Get involved in the community. There are plenty of people that will commiserate and strategize with you. Thank you guys for, for tuning into lulls. It's always fun. Uh, hopping on this show brian and i generally have like a very very loose idea of what we want to do and and sometimes we'll go on a a tangent at the top about how late swap works and that's what i love about this show thank you guys for tuning in if you want to listen to this in audio form you can check us out on itunes your podcast of choice just search lulz dfs you will find it we are back every single wednesday at 8 p.m eastern follow brian on twitter at brian hooper i'm peter overzet and this has been lulz.